Welcome back to Two Trees in a Pod with Alyssa and Sam, where we talk about all things life and relationships and tie it all to faith. To continue our February series, All About Love, we will be talking about agape today. Let's get into it. This is going to come out around Valentine's Day, I believe, which is a great time to show agape to your partner. Um, Today we're recording. It is Sunday. It is Super Bowl Sunday. I've got my hypothetical money on the Chiefs for Taylor Swift's boyfriend because there's no way the script doesn't allow them to win. And we'll see how right I am on that. And I (laughs) need to keep the Super Bowl party exciting. So I'll root for the 49ers just so I can root against other people. Yeah, because you like to be the villain, huh, don't you? <laughs> yes. As long as everyone's a hero in this story because the Eagles aren't in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh, yeah. This is this is like a pain point in our relationship. Can you tell? Because <laughs> I grew up a winner with the Patriots my entire life. And Alyssa got a small taste of victory for the first time a few years ago when the Eagles decided to play football. So you didn't grow up a winner. You grew up a supporter of cheaters. Um, but that's, you know what, that's a topic for another episode. Cheating. (laughs) Um, anyways, this is our second recording of the episode. We didn't get fully into it last recording, but this is our second take because we have a kitty cat who likes to pretend to sleep and then makes a lot of noise after we're 15 minutes into talking on our little podcast. So He, He has been locked away in the other room and he will come back out after we're done recording. Yes, he is He is in kitty prison right now because he was terrible. So, anyways, today we are talking about agape as this is continuing our mini-series on love. And agape, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with the word, is an ancient Greek word. It is a word describing love. It's a type of love. So a little background on types of love. Other languages have multiple different types of of love with words that represent it, right? So when we have different types of love, we say, oh, self-love, oh, love of friends, oh, like, hmm, like marital love, other types of love, right? Other cultures, other languages have actual words for these types of love. So they don't, they feel like it is, I guess, ingenuine to use certain types of love for certain things. For example, in English, we say, Oh, I love pizza. Oh, I love my husband. <laughs> like, those are obviously two very different types of love, right? One is like, yeah, like pizza's good. I eat pizza because it tastes good. The other is I love my partner because my partner is who they are. God created them. I love everything about them. I would do anything for them, you know? And then other like people who speak other languages look at us like we're crazy because they're like, how can you feel the same love for a dinner dish that you feel for a person, you know? So that's just a little <laughs> people in, who are like solely English speaking, like myself and like Sam and we are, what's the word for like monolinguists? <laughs> Lingual. Yeah, we are just monolingual. We don't have any other languages, but we don't always understand that there are different types of love. So that's just a little background on that. So I thought it would be fun to dive into the history of what the ancient Greeks have as different types of love. And there are six that we're going to go into. So first we're going to talk about 
Eros, which is named after their goddess of fertility. It is like the, the sexy love that involves loss of control, also known as lust. And that's how we describe it. So we actually do have a word for that. It's lust. Um, and then there's philia. Shout out to my hometown, Philadelphia, which is the namesake for this. Well, I guess Philadelphia. No, philia is the namesake for Philadelphia. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right. Philia is, Philly people guessed it, brotherly love. <laughs> um, it's like deep friendship type of love. It's like a serious love, but love that you have for a friend or a brother or a sister. Lundus is playful love, like childlike love. And compared to philia, it's similar, except Lundus is less serious. It's more like playful affection type of love. Then there's pragma, which is long-standing love that you would see in like a covenant commitment, like practical love, like it's long-lasting love from making a choice, making like, I committed to this person, so I'm going to love them forever. It is like a decision. It's intentional effort. And then philantia is self-love, which we will actually be talking about in the context of this series, not today, but eventually. A couple weeks, I believe. It's not next week, but I think it's the week after. And then, dun 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 dun, agape. Agape is what we are talking about today, and it is selfless love. It is sacrificial love. In Latin, it is translated from agape into caritas, which became the root of our word charity in English. C.S. Lewis refers to it as gift love and refers to it as the highest form of love. It is sacrificial. It is a love that is a choice, not out of attraction, obligation, or any type of preconceived thing other than choice. It is what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died for our sins. Agape was used extensively in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And that is kind of where it gained its popularity for today because it is, um, it was the type of love word out of all the ones that they have that was used in their translation of the Bible. So when it said like, God so loved the world, it was like God agape the world, right? I'm pretty sure it wasn't yeah, the I, same form of past tense that we use, but... I think that's like the same, <laughs> the literal translation. Literal translation. So agape is limitless. It's not something that you can just define within a context. We can try, but our words do have limits, and agape does not have limits. And it can't be held within human definition. So from, in my research of agape preparing for the episode, I found this article on crosswalk.com and I'll link it in our description. And I loved so much what it said about agape that I literally just put it in front of me to read to you. So, <clears throat> language is at its core, a collection of symbols that society agrees will represent reality. Our words for love are, at best then, tokens of meaning, not exact expressions of substance. We cram letters to together and say, this is what those letters mean. But symbols alone can never fully communicate the truth of what they represent. For instance, you and I both know that the letters A-M-Y may mean someone's wife, friend, co-worker. But the experience of, the physicality and spiritual self of, the truth and soul of Amy, A-M-Y, is not adequately represented by those letters. In fact, my truth of Amy is radically different from your truth of Amy or Heaven's truth of Amy, yet all our truths are still Amy. 
In this way, Amy is much, much more than what A-M-Y could ever mean in any language. It's like this also when we mean the seek of love or of heaven's agape. L-O-V-E is not just what we've all agreed those letters should define. It is unfathomably, immeasurably, and inexpressibly more. We know it instinctively, deep within the soul, but we can never adequately define or understand it. So I'll just let everyone take a couple seconds to digest those words and let them kind of simmer in your brain and on your heart. I really, really like this excerpt from Crosswalk. I feel like my definition of not even just people, but of like a thing is so different from somebody else's and that's because we have different perspectives. Sam's definition of me, who I am, and referred to as A-L-Y-S-A, as Alyssa, is so much different from my parents or from my friends or from my teammates or from my professors and vice versa. My definition of S-A-M Sam. No one else has the same definition of, as, of you as I do. And same with like your mom's definition of you or your friends or your boss's definition of you because you do have a job now, so I can say boss. <laughs> <laughs> Soon enough, soon enough. <laughs> that starts in a week. Oh, yeah. But as people, I like, I like the comparison of agape to people because, like, people are so subjective in definition, right? Like, you can't just put them into a box because they mean so many things to so many different people. And, like, I like how it even says heaven's definition of Amy, like, heaven's truth of Amy. How God knows you is so different than how I know you. I'd like to think that it's pretty close, but <laughs> I will never know you like God knows you, and you'll never know me like God knows me. And that's the beauty of God knowing you literally entirely from the depths of your soul. Every single experience that you've had since you were first conceived, God knows, right? And so his definition of you is probably different than mine. But in terms of agape, we all experience love, sacrificial love, differently. But the one universal definition that we have of it is what Jesus did for us on the cross, is what God did by sending Jesus to us. So shifting from that article, I think it would be completely inappropriate to talk about agape without first acknowledging John 3.16. Now, if you are a Christian in any type of context, you are familiar with John 3.16. I think the problem with John 3.16 is that it has become too familiar. It has been, it's just too common, right? Like we don't marvel at what it actually is anymore. And it's not like as special as it can be because it's so familiar. And I think really just taking the time to like talk about what it says I think is so important because she's like oh yeah John 3 16 it's like you know like we all have it memorized like oh yeah John 3 16 God loves us right yeah that's pretty much what people think right he sent his only son like da 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 so we're gonna read it and we're gonna talk about it a little bit for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And I'm just going to stop there. We went up to verse 18 through 18. God loved the world. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know the world is evil, right? That's like, we are so consumed with sin and consumed with evil things. Like when you look at the world, just turn on the news, right? Like we always say, don't watch the news, but we recommend turning off the news. Yeah, we do recommend turning off the news. But if you want to just see like a little taste of the world being evil, watch the news for 30 seconds. Um, Literally any channel from any station, you will see some evil in the world. The human heart is deceitful and it can be evil. We, we can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, the first people. They were in complete unity with God, yet they still sinned and they ate from the tree. The literal only thing they were told not to do by God, they did it. They had one job. They had one job and it was to not eat from that tree and they ate from that tree. And that can be a whole other conversation. <laughs> we're doing Genesis in church, so we're, <laughs> we're talking a lot about Adam and Eve right now. But... That original sin is still in, it's within us, right? That's why we have this inclination to sin. That's why we're subject to temptation because we're human and we are broken. And that is just a universal human experience. We are all broken. But Jesus clearly states that God, our creator, whose desires are always pure and always upright, whose love is 100% whole, whose affection is never misplaced, because he is God, he's perfect. He loves the world. And now how could a God who is so pure love such a broken and sin-ridden world? The gravity and brevity of the statement of how terrible we have acted, all the things we do, and despite all of this, he sent his one son, to die for us so we could be saved. That's a lot more than something you can kind of just brush past as, oh, John 3, 16. That, that's the Jesus loves us chapter, right? <laughs> it's a little bit more than that. He could have let us all perish in death to sin, but chose to love us regardless of how broken we were, are, and will be. And he commanded, a new commandment I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's John thirteen thirty four. We are called to feel that agape love for one another. We are meant to sacrifice for one another. We are meant to live for one another. And we are meant to help one another. Every single person, race, religion, gender, everything. Every other person is made in God's image. And we are meant to sacrifice and help them. We, and it's, it's a choice. Agape is a choice. Did Jesus have to die for us? Some would argue yes. Some would argue (laughs) yes, because that's what God had planned all along, right? But Jesus is also fully divine and God could have forsaken us as a race, a human race. But instead he felt He felt this agape towards us. He chose to send his son to wash us clean of our sins so that we may live, so that we may be able to go to heaven because 
We were literally too evil to be in the same presence as God. We had to, what would, what would we do in the Old Testament to absolve our sins? We would have to sacrifice animals, bulls and goats and sheep, <laughs> lambs, all without defect. Because of how harmful our sin was to our creator and how appalled he was by it. But then when Jesus came, his blood was enough to clear us of that and to wash us white as snow. So we should do this for each other is kind of where we're shifting this to. How can we agape each other? And we'll get into that in a bit. But first we wanted to talk a little bit more about love in the context of the Bible. And last week we talked on 1 Corinthians 13. We just read a little bit of it. And today we're gonna read more of it, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so starting with 2 John 15, 13, greater love has no one but this, to lay down one's life for their friends. That is what Jesus did for us. And greater love has no one but this. This is the highest form of love. So we're just establishing that that is the peak love, peak and, agape. And that verse is in itself sacrificial love lay down one's life for their friends. You are sacrificing your life for your friends. That is what agape means. Um, if we look at that 1 Corinthians verse 13, it's a letter to Corinth written by Paul. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily, easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these three is love. That is multiple verses that are very popular, very well recited, and talked about a lot. It says exactly what love is. It's very specific. It lists all the different virtues of love. It lists what love is not. It explains through and through what love is in a biblical sense. So we, we saw that the Greeks had six different definitions of love. They ranged from lust to childlike play to agape. This is biblical love. This is agape. This is agape love. It is that sacrificial, non-pride, not envious, 
it's not self-seeking not self-seeking it is that pure agape love <laughs> that's it's perfectly summarized there's no the bible perfectly summarizes and tells you what love is any other feeling that does not fall into that that is not love that is something else what's interesting to me is that it's the self-seeking part for me that stands out to me is that agape is not self-seeking what did jesus gain when he died for us on the cross other than pain and suffering and the fact that that is the love that we are called to give a new command i give you agape one another love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another that is jesus those are jesus's words as i have loved you so you must love one another and what was jesus's love for us it was agape it was sacrificial love and we are called not only to love the people that we love that are easy to love we are called to love our enemies and we are called to love the people who we feel scorned by it is not self-seeking. I don't think I would feel any personal benefits from loving people who I would consider to be what I guess I don't really have enemies, but like if I were to consider someone an enemy, I would not feel served as like in myself by loving them, right? And we're not called to just be kind or to be like, you know, neutral with people. We are called for agape. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this, my friends, is hard. <laughs> it is hard to love the people that you love sometimes. Like, Sam, if you leave the toilet seat up... <laughs> which I never do. Which you never do. But if you did, I might feel a little harder to love you that day. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's a tough life I live. It's just an example. Like, you're not always going to get along 100% rightly with the people that you do love right but we are called to love everyone in that context of agape and if it's hard to do it all the time with the people who we do care about who we do love like our our family and our close friends how much harder is it to do it for the people who are more difficult to love or who don't love us and we have to love them too but not just love like in any of those other types of love we have to agape others that is difficult it is not self-seeking i don't know about y'all but i feel i have a hard time like <laughs> doing things <laughs> that don't directly benefit me like there's i feel like that's kind of like bad to say but no, that's human nature it's just human a lot of the times people will do charitable things and it's to be recognized as a quote unquote good person. Mm. Uh, every action has motivation behind it. And you can even go as far as, well, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I want to be seen by God as a good person. That sounds, even though everything you're trying to do is good, that still sounds as though it can be self-serving. So it's not necessarily bad to have, you know, some personal goals behind things, but it's important to recognize that sometimes you're called and need to do things that you may not see a direct benefit from. Do you feel That's like agape. you do you feel like you've ever been called to do something like that, Sam? 
I mean, it. there are all sorts of situations. You know, sometimes it can be something as small as, well, I don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> you love I, the dishes example. <laughs> I, I love the dishes example because I always do the dishes and I don't hey. like doing the dishes. <laughs> I... It's just... It's not something that I want. I don't enjoy doing the dishes. That's not my favorite thing to do. But I know it needs to get done. I'm not saying that I'm sacrificing <laughs> by doing the dishes. But what I am saying is that it's something that needs to be done. And I know that I must do it. So do you agape the dishes? Or is it agape for me? It's agape <laughs> for us. Mm. That... I think agape for strangers or enemies, as you put it, is it can be perceived as different. It feels easier to give sacrificial love to a partner that you know you'll be receiving sacrificial love from. Exactly. And it's not self-seeking, but I feel like it's easier to give you agape because I know you're going to give it right back to me. Yeah, it's easy. Okay. Well, I know Alyssa's busy. She's doing things. I can do the dishes. I'm not expecting anything in return. But deep down, I still know... Okay, I had a long day. Oh, dinner's ready and the apartment's clean. This is fantastic. Alyssa sacrificed. She showed that kind of love that I showed her. The hardest part of being called to have agape love for one another is doing all of that and not expecting anything in return. I think it's hard too when like you do give it and then you don't get anything in return. Like maybe you go into it not expecting anything in return, but like then when you actually don't get anything in return, you're like, but I did all this for you. Yeah, and then you feel justified and entitled to things that were never promised to you. Exactly. And I feel like, ugh, it's just, how do you do that for people who you don't like? (laughs) Because when you realize that all of these other people are made in God's image, no matter how hard it might be, if you're looking at it from a personal st- you've made plenty of mistakes and God loves you. God calls you to love everyone else the same way that he loves you. That is hard. <laughs> it is hard. And we're all human. That's why we all struggle with it. But our goal is not perfection because we will never be perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God. But our goal is to strive towards that and with intent go a step in that direction every day and try. And when you make a mistake, repent and talk about it and share your mistakes and then try again and keep trying to do your best to follow in his ways. I also like how 1 Corinthians 13 starts talking about if I have all these wonderful things but do not have love, then I am nothing, I have nothing. Literally, in verse 3, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, those are great things that you're doing. If I give everything I have to the poor, think about everything that you own, everything that's in your bank account, all the food in your pantry and fridge, all of your accomplishments, you give all of that to to the poor and you have nothing left. Wouldn't you consider that an act of agape? But the second part of that, that I may boast. That is self-seeking. If I do all these things and then I try to take credit for being so good for doing all that, it doesn't mean anything. But do not have love, I gain nothing. And what a great 
act all that is, but if you boast about it or if you do it with the wrong intentions in mind, the fact that it gives you nothing is just insane to me because like, I don't think I could ever give everything I have to the poor. It makes you think, why would you do that in the first place? Yeah. Why would you do that in the first place? Because that's what God calls us to do. That's what Jesus says in John. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Maybe you're called to give away your possessions. Maybe you're not. But it it's different for each person. And if you were called to do these things and you're expecting nothing in return, then that's agape. You are doing things sacrificially knowing that that is what you're meant to be doing. If you're doing these things with the intent of, oh, well, everyone's going to think I'm such a great Christian. I'm such a good person because I'm doing all these things. You're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out of self-entitlement or status or other things, even though it might not appear that way on the surface. And you know what also sticks out to me? It's backtracking a little bit into 1 Corinthians 13, 2. It's the second part of the verse. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I have faith in God... If I love, if I agape God, right, and believe in Jesus to the point where I can move mountains with my prayer, you would think, wow, this person is incredible in the eyes of God, right? They are a child of God because their faith is so strong. But then it says, but do not have love. I am nothing. You can believe in God all you want. You can pray to him all you want. You can have incredible faith, like literally immeasurable faith. But if you do not love other people with agape, you're nothing. And to me, that's like the hardest thing to grasp because I'm like, I feel like I'm such a good like individual Christian, right? And that's, first of all, no one's a good Christian. Let's just start there. Because if everyone was a good Christian, or if anyone was a good Christian, what is the point of scripture, right? Like, why would God have to send his only son to come save us if everyone's good already? So one, I'm not a good Christian. Two. <laughs> and the definition of good is always subjective. What's good to some is bad to others. But deep down, we all know what the inherent right thing is. Following God and intending to do the right thing whether or not that means you're perceived as good or bad, you can't have other humans dictate that. It's between you and God. God knows your intentions. God knows your heart. God knows what you're doing. I think where I was going with that, though, was yes, that's true. But I was going more towards the having such incredible individual faith where like you're praying to God, like things are working for your good in your life because he works... He works for you, right? Because you're such a faithful servant of his. But if you don't love other people with agape, it doesn't matter. It's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. It does not matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter how much you attend church on Sunday. It does not matter how much you evangelize, right? It doesn't matter if you do not have love and if you're doing it to serve yourself and Like, I feel like that's what I personally struggle with is that, like, I have a hard time. Like, today after church, we went to a young adult lunch. And I was like, I don't want to (laughs) go. 
<laughs> you know, like, I just want to go home and I want to go into my little hobbit hole and just be with myself, right? Like, and I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to go talk to some people. Yeah, this is why you say I'm an extrovert, I say I'm an introvert, because I was like, okay, this is, like this one-hour church service has been enough people time for me for the day, and I know we're going to a Super Bowl party, and I love our friends, but I've got to save up energy to be social, you know? But... You dragged me there, and it was still, like, a little bit of a challenge for me to be social because for whatever reason, social settings literally suck the life out of me. <laughs> but in order to agape others, I have to be with others. And I think that's the hardest thing for me to grasp is that I literally have to... <laughs> in order to love other people, I can't separate myself from them. And these aren't even bad people. These are people that I love hanging around. I love everybody at our church. I don't have a problem with any of them. And I love spending my time with them. But the act of like going, not going to church, but like going to a situation where I know I'm going to have to have a conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't make me go. But then I enjoy it while I'm there because I get to be around other people and pouring into them as they're pouring into me. And is it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. I think that's what I want everyone to understand is that we are called to do this by Jesus Christ, but it is hard. He is not calling us to something that is easy. And if it was easy, it wouldn't matter as much. There's definitely some situations that are harder. Getting a free lunch and talking to a bunch of friends is a lot less hard for me. I had a great time. And that was the hardest thing I've had to do today. <laughs> it didn't feel very sacrificial to me. I got to talk to a bunch of people and eat some great food and make some friends. So I had a fantastic time. But I'd also talk to people all day if I had the chance. Yeah, so that wasn't sacrificial love for you, was it? Huh? <laughs> I guess it wasn't really sacrificial love for me either, because what am I getting? A free lunch and some social time? Is that me making a sacrifice? No. I think there's a really good verse in 1 John 4.16. It's God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And I think situations like we had with that young adult luncheon is we live in love. We're ready to talk share and embrace the community around us, love those around us, get to learn about them. They want to do the same. I think a way of showing agape is even when you're in one of those situations where I don't really want to hang out with people today. My social clock is running out. I'm feeling tired, but I have this great experience where I can talk to people. I can lift them up. They can lift me up. That community, that's agape. That is maybe not sacrificial love. It is if, you know, you might be struggling with it, but no. I guess it's patient and it's it, kind. It is patient <laughs> and it is kind. If you go into that situation knowing, okay. And it's not self-seeking. <laughs> if I really don't want to be there. If, yeah. I wanted to go there, make some friends and meet some new people. It might feel a little self-seeking because I'm trying to, you know, expand. You benefit from it. But I, just because you benefit from it doesn't mean that it's self-seeking because would you have gone if it didn't benefit you? I think that's what you would have to examine to determine whether or not it's self-seeking. Well, the free meal is definitely a good incentive, but I also enjoy talking and meeting new people. I so, think you would have gone regardless of the free meal, though. Yeah, I think... We were could, hungry, but we, we would have gone. But I think you can justify things saying, oh, well, this definitely benefited me. But agape benefits everybody. It's sacrificial love, but if everyone is showing this love, everyone is helping each other. There's a benefit to all of it, 
first you're trying to follow God, follow Jesus. You're trying to do the right thing, but it's helping all of those around you. Maybe something I said today at someone resonated and that's helping them get through the day. Maybe it didn't, but if we never went down there, we would have never had any impact and we would have been separating ourselves a little bit further. I have a question for you. Answer. Do you think we are even capable of showing pure agape? I think we all fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's definitely we can, true because it's in the Bible. <laughs> we, we can, in my opinion. <laughs> we can never fully reach that same level of Jesus. He was 100% man and 100% divine. Uh, the math doesn't seem to be mathing for the number people, but in reality, he was fully human and fully divine. We can never match that because we are just fully human. We have glimpses of heaven on earth when we interact with others and we're doing, we're trying to live like Christ, but we'll never be able to reach that. We're human. We are all born of sin. We are all born with desires to do things that are not Christ-like. That inherently means that we can never be perfect, but it's okay because we're not called to be perfect. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow God. We're called to try and do the right things and intend to do the right things and do the right things. There's a reason that there's so much forgiveness in the Bible. There's so much about love. There's so much about, you know, when mistakes are made, repent, try to do the right thing. If we were all perfect or capable of being perfect, there'd be no need for any of this. Because we'd all be perfect, what direction would we need if we did everything right all the time? Mm. The whole purpose of church, the whole purpose of community, the whole purpose of the Bible, bringing all of this together is to help your fellow human, who's also made in God's image, to be the best version of themselves that they can be following God and trying to be like Jesus. I agree. Do you think that we could show it at any level, I think my answer is yes. I think it's a constant path of growth. Uh, years ago, it could be, oh, I just got cut off by someone on the road and I showed some restraint and I didn't get angry at the person. I am striving to be more like Christ by... By not having road rage. By not being angry. <laughs> Now it could be something as trying to help. It, it changes over the course. As you grow as a life. person. As you grow as a person. Closer every, to him too. Exactly. Everyone's at a different stage on their journey. I've been at a lot of different stages. I was a lot heavier and I was a lot unhealthy. I, <laughs> something that I struggled with in the path, past may not be a struggle now. That doesn't mean that my challenges now are you know, any easier or harder, but it's current things that I need to work through and improve on. Like agape. Like, exactly. <laughs> Everyone is at a different stage, and it's our job as Christians to help other people on their path by showing sacrificial agape love where we are doing anything possible to help bring them closer. Let's talk about some practical ways to show agape, because I think moving away from people who you already love and like and do a lot for, I think it might be 
a better challenge to show agape towards strangers. Because that truly is selfless love, because what benefit are you getting out of doing something nice for a stranger, right? Like, you're never gonna see them again, probably, so it's not like they're gonna get you back, but I mean, I guess you could get self-benefit from expecting good to come back to you for doing good, right? But we could get really into how motivations can vary for these things. But some actual practical things that you can do that are minor in your daily life to show agape to other people and to try to make yourself be more like Jesus. Because we want to be more like him and less like ourselves. So going out of your way to do something nice for somebody, that's agape, right? You can do it, we talked about strangers, you can do it for your neighbors or for people who you aren't that close with. But something like, would you consider like holding the door for somebody to be agape when you really, especially when they're like that awkward distance from you and you really, like you could have got away with not holding the door, right? Uh, I think something like that, it can be seen as sacrificial love can just be seen as being a nice person. It's minor, though. It, I'm talking about minor ways we can so, I, show agape. I think it can be something as small as, so I, you know, between jobs delivering Grubhub and DoorDash, I, I, my job is to grab food and hand it to someone. Mm-hmm. But something as little as handing it to them, a smile, being a happy person, saying, mm-hmm. I hope you have a great day. Something like that to someone I'll never see again. But now they're going through their day, you know, maybe they weren't having a great day, but some stranger, you know, some giant guy hopping out of his car, (laughs) handing them their food, just told them to have a great day with a smile and walked off. Maybe that made their day better. I don't gain anything out of delivering the food. Um, I mean, I gained some monetary income, but for that person specific, I could just hand them the food to buy (laughs) Or say nothing at all. Or say nothing, just drop the food at the door and leave. But taking the time to say, I hope you have a great day and enjoy your food. Something like that. Those small acts don't seem like anything in the moment from my perspective. I'm just, you know, I hope they have a good day. Bye, Mm -hmm. I'll forget. But maybe they won't. Maybe that's something that just changed their day around. They're in a better mood. Or at the very least, now they have their food and... I got it there without taking any. (laughs) Or maybe like kind of shifting your mindset might be a good way to show some practical minor agape. Like there are different opportunities throughout our day to be a nicer person or to be a more loving person to strangers. And I think that we often miss them because we're so busy and we're so in our own life, right? Like if you're delivering DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever... And you're like, oh, I got to get to this next order. So I'm just going to throw this at somebody's door and leave. But no, you take the time. It's like, what, an extra three seconds? But we're so busy that those three seconds can feel like so much more and that we don't even think about it. It's like not even on our mind. So it's not a lack of like wanting to show love. It's just like I'm thinking about something else. And this is more important to me right now. Shifting your mindset to be more like you're searching for ways to show agape throughout your day. That might, I think, that might help me because <laughs> I, I, I struggle to show agape to strangers. Um, I feel like I'm a good at like holding the door, like smiling at people, but like I can get so in my own world, like head in my phone while I'm walking to class or 
literally just like headphones in, not hearing anything around me. But if I were to maybe remove at least one headphone so I can hear things or maybe walk with my phone in my pocket and not always be so focused on where I'm going next or what I need to do next, it will give me more space to show agape to others. I think slowing down mm. and just, I don't want to say living in the moment, but being... Stop the smell of roses. <laughs> being cognizant and aware of everything going on. Like, you could easily bounce from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and it can get very overwhelming, very busy, and it feels like there's no stop. But if you just take a deep breath, go through your day, and, you know, treat each day as a constant experience that you're going through instead of a regimented schedule where you keep bouncing through things. That's how I feel. <laughs> when you realize, oh, cool, we're going to record our podcast. We're going to go grab a bite to eat, we're going to drive down, we're going to see some friends, we're going to watch football, and we're going to go through things. You can make that seem like a schedule, but in reality, in this moment, I'm having a conversation with my fiancé that's being recorded. <laughs> and then we're going to stretch, grab a bite, and it's easy to think about all these things coming up, but right now all that matters is that we're having this conversation. We're talking. I'm enjoying the moment. I enjoy talking. That is bringing it back to that mindset of, okay, well, maybe I'm walking to class. Okay, well, you got to get to class. You got to do all these things in class. You have homework for the class. But in this moment, you're just walking to class. Realize that you're walking to class. Go through each action with intention and realize what's going on. And when you see all these little things that are happening every moment of the day, it makes you realize, wow, there is so much more to all of this than this list of tasks that I have to accomplish today. Something that we talked about, or that, um, I guess, is is he a pastor, Eddie? He's a youth pastor, right? Is that so. his title? Yeah. Something that Eddie talked about in church today, who's a youth pastor at our church, is we were doing Genesis 1 and 2, and we were talking about loving everyone equally. And this is something I think that has helped kind of shift my mindset. And I've gotten away from it in recent years, which is bad. But I feel like I'm trying to go back to it. Is that we are all created in God's image and likeness. We are created in God's image and likeness. That means that within each of us, there are fragments and pieces of God. So I think it is easier to love people as strangers be it a stranger, be it a friend, be it a relative who you struggle with at the Thanksgiving dinner table, you know, like people who might be a little bit more difficult, they were created in the image of God, in the image and the likeness of God. And I feel like focusing on the negative qualities of a person is only going to put them in this box of negativity that you associate them with. Because remember what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, my definition of Sam is different than somebody else's definition of Sam. Maybe somebody who you were an acquaintance with had one bad experience with you and now they think you're a bad person, right? And they're like, oh, there's that guy again, <laughs> you know? But I don't think that way of you because I know more about who you are because you've shown that to me. And I've looked for that in you. I've looked for God in you. And when we shift that lens on people who we find to be difficult, when we start searching for those qualities of God, those fruits of the Spirit, 
because we all have them, be it maybe you're a great person or a bad person, you know, like that's all subjective because we all have qualities of God within us. And you may even struggle to identify that within yourself. And we're going to talk about that in our self-love episode, but start by searching for it in others. I feel like I have a hard, hard time with certain people, you know, like, you know, there's those people that you really struggle with, right? I want to challenge myself and anyone listening to start searching for the godlike qualities in those people who, it might be your boss, it might be your teacher, professor, it might be a teammate, it might be a coach. I know a lot of people out there have problems with their own coaches, especially athletes, right? Um, search for the qualities of Christ, the qualities of your creator within these people and watch how that develops and watch how that is fruitful in your life. Watch how that shifts your shifts your view on an entire person because you're just realizing that they're made in the image and likeness of God, just like you, just like me, just like Sam, just like anybody on this planet. Image and likeness of God. And I am really hammering this home because I just, I can't believe how I've let myself fall away from this line of thinking. And it's like, I can, it makes me more irritable throughout the day. So like, it's not self-seeking, but it really is self-serving because with this type of, this type of mindset, you're happier. It is better. It is, it does serve you to think like this. And I think that that type of mindset shift looking for the good, looking for the God in people will make you overall a happier person and will make it by default easier to show agape. I definitely think when you have your mindset focused on thinking this way, everything around you appears differently. You view things differently and it's just an overall healthier mindset to be in. I can tell that I'm more irritable when I don't think that way. <laughs> like I'm very irritable when I don't think that way. I think we did a pretty solid job on trying to summarize agape. Uh, agape is just that word and symbol that we use to try and describe that feeling of love that we say. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode on agape and feel equipped with the context to understand the true meaning of the word. Even though the word will never do it justice, it is that feeling. And you know exactly what that feeling is that sacrificial agape love. Next time on Two Trees in a Pod, for the third episode in our series about love, we will be discussing love and friendship. We hope that this episode has laid the foundation for understanding true agape love, so that when we view it through the lens of friendship, we are able to see the bigger picture of it all. Have a great week, stay blessed, and thanks for listening. See you guys, have a great week.